talked about when we stop and think of all of this. And the reason we, uh, we stopped there is because that's what Paul had said to, this, uh, to the church. It's like, when I think of all of this, it's like, I can't help. I can't help but bow my knees to uh, the Father and, and, and begin to pray for, um, he begins to pray for the, um, the Ephesian believers. Uh, but it's, it was all the believers who were around Ephesus. So, and it was to continue, that letter would have continued going out to further and further from Ephesus until it reached a little town called Balmoral uh, and a little church called Kingsway. Uh, it's written to the believers here this morning. There's stuff in here, especially this part. And, and I want to... Um, uh, I want you, you know, just that your, your mind is engaged this morning. Your heart is just open to what he would want to say. And then to take that, uh, to take what he says in your life, and then just ask God, how do I, how do I live this out, Lord? Because it's not just, uh, not just for hearing it this morning. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse um, uh, 14, if, you can, if you're there, it said this last week. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Then he says this prayer. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. Who's he writing to? Let me read it again. He says, um, uh, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower? Yeah, empower us, empower you. We say that he would empower me. That's what he's writing to you this morning. He's saying, you know, I'm not just praying this just so you have something to read. He's saying, I'm praying this for you. I'm praying this for Sarah. I'm praying this for Chris. I'm praying this for Harry. You know, I'm praying this for Dave and Cheryl Collins. I'm, I'm praying this for the Jeffersons. I'm praying this, you know, for uh, Stan Haig, for the fellas in the back. I'm praying for you that you would, that you would have this uh, happen in your life. So he says, I, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Don't miss this this morning. You know, you can put your own name in there. You know, I, as you're reading this, you know, God, I pray that you would fill me, Lori, Joe, you know, Kelsey. I pray that you would fill me with inner strength by your spirit. How many of you could use some strength in your life? Yeah, I, I know, eh? I know, and some of you are like, I'm introverted. I don't raise my hand for nothing, but I know you're here, and, and I know you need some strength in your life. I know that, you know, you, you smile and you're dressed up nice. You're looking good, but th- there's probably stuff you're going through in your life that, you know, maybe even on the way here, it was royal rumble with your wife on the way here verbally, you know, uh, but now, and now you're here and you're smiling, and, and you know what? you're going through stuff. You could use some inner strength. You know, maybe you're going through some sickness. Maybe you're, maybe you're dealing with your teenagers. Maybe your job and your financial security is all up in a, in a mess. He's saying, Paul's saying, hey, listen, I know that you're going to need it, so I'm praying for you. But the thing is, in Ephesians, the first three chapters, we've been talking about everything that God's already done. You're, you're already blessed. You're already forgiven 100%. You're already holy if you're a believer in Jesus. You're already set apart. He, he's done all of that stuff already, but this, he changes his tone. And, you know, there's no tone in, in written words, but it's, it's interesting how in Greek they just, they, they write things so that you understand what they're saying. It's not like a text, you know, when you get a text, like, what do they mean by that? Um, they say texting is ruining dating. If you're dating, I just a heads up for you. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't do all your dating via text. Get to know that person you're hanging out with. Uh, you know, that when you're reading this stuff, you never know what it means. But, but in the, in the Bible, the uh, and through the translations, they've written things to help us understand. And though Paul was saying, all this is done, this part that he's writing about isn't done yet. He's not saying, hey, I'm, I'm saying, hey, you guys have all this. He's saying, I pray that this might happen in your life. My prayer is the same for you this morning, that this might happen in your life, that, that there's some things that have to happen for this to work. But he's saying, my prayer is that you would be strengthened uh, on the inside with inner strength. He uses some big words. He didn't just, you know, he didn't just say, you know, from God's resources, I pray. He uses like some descriptive terms, like from God's glorious and unlimited resources. 
why does he say that? Because a lot of times I think what we, we think about our lives and we think about our kind of measurements and we think about um, everything in, in how it relates to us. And he says, I don't want you to think that way. I want you to try and think about, you know, how, how God does things as opposed to how you do things. In uh, New King James, it says uh, that according, you know, to his riches and glory, not according to your need. He's not saying, you know, I pray that you have enough strength just to make it by. I, I'm praying that you have just enough strength just to, just to kind of win this battle. He's saying, I, I'm praying that, that according to his, um, the way God does things, I'm praying that that happens in your life. You know, if you, as you read through the Bible, you see Jesus does stuff in big ways. He just does. You know, when, he, when, when the very first miracle he did, he turned water into wine uh, and non-alcoholic or whatever, who cares? But uh, he, turned, he turned water into wine. But you know what they say at the end of the, of the story? The wine that Jesus made was what? The, the best. It was the best. You know, his mom had told him, Jesus, you know, they're out of wine. You've got to make some. And he's like, Mom, it's not my time. You know, I'm not supposed to. Okay, Mom, I'll honor you, you know, because I wrote the book and I'm supposed to honor you. So I'm going to honor you and I'll make wine. But he, does, he goes over and above to make the best possible wine. You know when he's calling his disciples and they're out sailing in the boats and um, Peter comes in and Jesus says, hey, let's go fish. And he's like, the fish aren't biting. Jesus like, doesn't matter. Let's go. Remember how that story ends? Two boatloads full of fish. Is it what Peter needed? No, it was way more than what Peter needed, but he's showing this is the way I do stuff. He had a picnic out on a hillside and fed 5,000 people. Why? Because he does things in a much bigger way than what we think. They're looking at it and saying, this is a lunch for one kid. And he's like, nope, lunch for everyone. Why? Because he does things, he says, think outside of, of the box. It's the same with salvation. Same thing. You say, well, that's in the Bible. But you know he did the same for you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you know, he didn't just barely save you. It wasn't like he just did just the bare minimum to make sure that you would make it into heaven. He gave his best. He sent his son. He gave his absolute best for you. Um, and, and it wasn't that he just sort of saved you so that now you're going to make it to heaven. The whole idea of Ephesians is saying, I, I did a whole lot more than that. You know, I paid that you would, the life here would be so much different. Not just, you know, where you're going when you die, but that it affects here and now that you're, that you're blessed, that you can have relationship, real relationship with God. Incredible thought. He says, I've done well over and above uh, what, you, what you think. And he says, you know what? Uh, he taught his followers to live the same way. As he sat chatting with them, he said, if you're a follower of me, we live differently. He says, if someone, uh, if someone says, hey, go with me one mile, he told them to do what? Go with them two. Go over and above. You know, if somebody, and it, says, it says two, he says, love your enemies. You know, don't just tolerate them, avoid them, put up with them if you have to. He says, love them. Love is not a, a word of have feelings for them. Love is an action of I'm doing something to show my enemies that I love them. Uh, he said, too, if somebody sues you and wants to take your, take your coat, he says, give them your tunic as well. Sounds a little bit Lord of the Rings, you know, Harry Potter, cloaks and tunics and all that. But he's saying the same thing, you know, for us is that, he says that, that, that idea of, you know, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other one. It, it's this thing of going above and beyond, thinking outside of what we would normally and naturally think. But the good thing is that he's done the same for us, that the salvation we enjoy is much bigger. And he's saying the same thought to them. He's saying, hey, would you think about how big God is and ask, you know, I'm praying that you'll get his kind of strength in your life, that strength, the word's dunamis. It's this idea of power, explosive power. It's where we get the word dynamite from. He's like, hey, I want some of that in your life. How many of you could use some of that kind of power in your life? Yeah, yeah, it's like the idea that God is in me, so if, if he's in there, then everything that he is 
that's what's inside of me. That's who lives inside of me. And he says, I'm praying that by his spirit, you're going to get and understand that, that dunamis power working on the inside. You know, that you'd have strength in here. A lot of us, you know, we're more, we're more concerned about strength out here. I, I started these workout videos, you know, to get strong on the outside, right? So when the, you know, when the July 1st party comes along, you guys aren't going to whoop me at soccer anymore. You know, I, I'll be in shape uh, and working on, uh, working on that. But how often do we think about working on the inside? You know, Paul's saying this inner strength, it's, it's more important. Um, just, I read, a, uh, read a, a really great book. I don't, I don't read a lot of books, especially, you know, stories. But um, Beth had told me about this book called Unbroken, and as I read through it, I was hooked. Uh, and, I, and I would encourage you to read it. It's a story of a guy named Louis Zamperini. Um, he was uh, uh, an Olympic uh, runner. And uh, during World War II, he got uh, enlisted to be in the war. And as you read the stories of what him and his friends went through, the true stories— it's amazing as, as, you, as, you, um, as you're reading through and realizing, man, it's, a, it's incredible what a human being can put up with. Um, all the things you think, man, this guy, they're, they're going to die. Like the next, the next chapter, they're dead, but there's still so much more to read. And you realize they, they didn't die, and they didn't die, and they didn't die. And they're talking about just that inner, that inner strength. There's a, like this will to live uh, in so many of the, the, the prisoners of war and uh, but it said, too, they told the stories, and it was heartbreaking to read that after so long living in, in uh, you know, prisoner of war camps, that when the, they said when their friends all of a sudden, you know, just felt like it's not going to happen, I'm not going to get out of here, and they gave up the will to live within days, they were dead. The things that they were able to survive, and that's just the, the human will, the human inner strength, be saying, you know what, I'm praying for something more than that, something bigger than that, God kind of strength, stuff that goes over and above. You know, are you facing some difficult situations in your life? Brian asked it this morning. I know you are. I know there's many of you that are, that are going through some difficult times. You know what Paul didn't pray? He didn't pray for you. Dear Father in heaven, I pray you rescue them from these terrible situations that they're going through. Would you just do everything they need so it's all taken care of? Because you can. You're God. You know, you don't see that in the Bible very often. You see God do something in people that, that they become... Uh, like shining lights for his glory through situations they're going through. It, it's crazy. You look at guys like Gideon, for instance. Gideon, his whole, his whole country's in, uh, in slavery, and God comes to Gideon uh, via angel, and he's hiding out in, um, he's hiding out in this uh, wine press in the middle of the night, and uh, the angel comes up and says, Gideon, you're like a courageous and strong, you know, and mighty warrior. And he's like, no, I'm not. He's like, you are. You're full of courage. He's like, no, I'm terrified. He's like, listen, Gideon, listen to me. This is who you are. You are strong and you're courageous. Now just go live like it. And Gideon goes out and the story, you know, as it goes through, he leads his whole country to freedom. Joshua, you know, the Bible just says, Moses, my servant, he's dead. So now, Joshua, you're be strong and courageous. And in nine verses, he tells him three times, because he's a man, you know, you got to tell him a few extra times, be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous. Now, right, right now. And the same thing we've been talking about with you, whatever situation you're going through, and, and he's saying, God, I'm just ready to rescue me. He wants to do something in you now to make that, that strength and that courage to say, I want inner strength in you, that you're going to shine and go through this situation. Uh, sometimes you get rescued out of it. Most of the time you don't. Most of the time it's the stuff that he does in your life through it that just causes incredible, incredible victory for you and for others. And it's, it matters uh, what you believe. In Ephesians 3, verse 17, he says, then Christ, he's after he says, I pray that you'd be filled with inner strength. He says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. In the New King James, it says it this way, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Uh, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means the anointed one, the son of God, the Messiah. He's praying that Christ would live 
in your heart. The Son of God living in your heart. And that, and that idea is like it makes his home. That he's not going anywhere. He lives in you. Not so when you wake up, I wonder if I'm a Christian today. No, you are. He's not going anywhere. When you say, I give my life to Christ, it, he, he moves in and lives in your heart. And we, we've talked about how the heart's like your control center of your life. He's the new master of the control saying, hey, let's do things this way. Let's do things this way. And it's the, the, the more you um, submit your life to him, the more you see the change happen in you. But he's saying this, Paul says, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And I, I want to touch on something this morning because I think a lot of believers think that Christ lives in your heart by feelings. You do. You, you think, you know, that if you don't feel God's love for you, if you don't feel like a Christian, well, then I must not be. I've, I, you know, the, the, every day it's like those times where you think, oh, you know, I, I just, I haven't heard God talk to me. I haven't heard some of this stuff happen. And, and it's like this idea of, you know, that Christ lives in your heart, but it's just based on feelings. But love is never, never meant to be that way. It never was. You know, um, for instance, um, I'm married to a wonderful woman named Beth. And, uh, you know, there's times we feel really close to one another. You know, but if I was to say my marriage is based on feeling really close to one another, well, then right now, I sure don't feel real close to her. She's in towns and I'm right here. Does it change the fact that I'm married? Better not. <laughs> Why are we married? Because it has nothing to do with the feelings. There's times we're angry at each other. I know we look like we got it all together, but sometimes, boy, it's some scrapping going on. But, but um, we... That doesn't change the fact that we're married to one another. Why? Because we're in a committed covenant relationship with one another till death do us part. He's in the same one with you. Did you realize God designed marriage just as a simple picture to show you what uh, the relationship with him looks like? It looks like marriage. You're like, oh, great. <laughs> that idea of two friends sharing life together, the highs, the lows, but we're in it together. We're committed to one another. We're not going anywhere has nothing to do with feelings. And he's saying the same thing to you, that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith, that no matter what, you know that you know that, that he's, he's living in you. And it says this, that your roots would grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. It, says to, it uses a couple words, rooted and grounded. It's like I want you to get the, the idea that this idea of rooted means to be uh, like uh, tied to a foundation and grounded is not like what, you know, it's not like what your parents did to you when you were a bad kid, you know, you're grounded. It's, it's the, uh, the idea of you're, you're rooted and grounded, almost the same words of you're stuck to a foundation and you've got a strong foundation, you're attached to something securely. And uh, Paul's saying this, that you'd be rooted and grounded, that your life would be would be strongly connected to love. Um, I'm, a, I'm an aquarium guy. I, I have a big aquarium, lots of fish, and I got these live plants, and, and I had to, I had to wash, uh, clean my aquarium, and, and some of the plants I had to move, and, the, and then uh, the day after I get there and moved all the plants, I come in to feed my fish, and half of my plants are floating upside down at the top of the tank, and I was like, oh, this is not good. You know, they're, they're not supposed to grow this way, and as I began to, like, move them back around the tank, I realized Certain plants didn't move, and other ones were. As, a, as, I, as I was digging through, I have all sand. It's like a, you know, ocean sea floor there. And I thought maybe the lobster, they, you know, dug them up. Or maybe it was a fish, but something dug these things up. And I realized as I, as I was moving different plants around, I realized certain ones were just, their roots were in sand, and other ones, their roots were twisted all around these rocks that I have in the bottom of my aquarium. Those ones didn't go anywhere. And Paul's saying the same thing to you, that, that this idea of where, what are your roots connected to? Because if they're not connected securely to something stronger than you, when the storms come, when, you know, the, the, the things that come in your life that try and shake you, they, they, they uproot you. And he's saying, I want you to have your roots connected strongly to the love of God. 
what are yours connected to? Well, I don't know. I didn't even know we had roots. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for this new biological, uh, you know, lesson here that we have roots. I had no idea. Ask yourself these three questions or two. What do you trust? What do you trust in life? What do you really trust? Who do you trust? Where do you draw your sense of identity and purpose from? What makes you you? A key to that answer is going to tell you a, a lot about where your roots really are. For some of you, it's money. Your roots are so into money. You wouldn't say it because you're in church. We don't love money. We love God. <laughs> but you'd say things like this. I have to have this much money to feel secure. You know, or if all of a sudden you start losing money, it's like <gasps> your world gets shaken. You don't know what to do. You don't even know how to handle it because all you can think about is you get consumed by that. Why? Because your roots are really there. I trust God, but I got to do this. Your roots are in money. He says, uh, you know, maybe that your roots could be into um, your job. A lot of times this is it for guys. Your whole sense of purpose and identity is all tied up in what you do. And he's been trying to say it doesn't matter what you do. If, you, uh, if you're the CEO of, a, uh, of you know, uh, Apple, or if you're like an unemployed bum, the value hasn't changed. You should get a job, but the value hasn't changed. If, if you feel less about yourself because of the job that you have, your roots are into the wrong kind of thing. What about relationships? You know, for some, your, your roots are tied into um, the relationships you have. You know, for some of, uh, typically they say that, that um, married women, they're, they're, their sense of identity comes from what their husband does or who their husband is. You know, and how they can brag to their, their friends about who they're married to. Some of you are like, no, my roots are not tied into my husband at all. For moms, so often it's their kids. Tied into there. It's like those kids you're raising, they're not their own people. They totally reflect you. You know, when one kid's, you know, your, your kid does something amazing, boy, you just have a little bit of extra swagger, you know, because my kid's a genius. He's two and he's got 50 words in his vocabulary, right? How about your kid? You know, we get together with family, get together, I love it because our kids are all like, you know, uh, five, five months apart between these three boys and we just watch and you watch the ones talking like, yeah, you know, and it's like, hey, Karen, how come your uh, kid doesn't ha have as many words? How come they don't know the word vocabulary? You know, like my kid does. It's like this kind of thing. But sometimes it's like you see somebody whose kid, you know, they, they, um, they do really well in school. And then you look at your kid and you're like, oh, you know, oh, I just, you kind of secretly hope something bad happens to them. <laughs> no? Just, just me. All right. Or when something bad does happen. It's kind of, you know, you feel bad, but yeah, you know, bless their heart, they had it coming, right? Like there's, my kid would never do that. Uh, but, but, but it is this thought, and why is it that that happens? Because, because it, it reflects, it reflects on you. Oftentimes it's because that's where your roots are tied into. For some of you, it's your looks. Look out, they change. Yeah. They do, you know. Uh, I have one of the Saturday night ladies. They're not so great with tax. And when I bent over to talk to one of the kids last week, they said, Mark, you shouldn't do that anymore. We can see everything that's missing on top. And I was like, all right then. You know, it's, you can't hold on to that. But some of you, you know, your roots are in your talents. You trust totally in everything that you can do. I can get myself out of the situation. I can figure this out. I can do this. He's saying, don't get your roots tied up into that. For some, it's people's approval of you. You know, as long as they like you, you're good. And when they don't, when the tides turn, you just don't even know what to do. 
You know, you just watch the Maple Leaf players. You know, the fans just beat them down. Or they're going to win the Stanley Cup, and the next week, they're a bunch of losers. Trade them all. And it's all in the papers. You know, there's a guy named James Reimer, the goalie. He just says, you know, it's my faith in God that keeps my head set through this kind of stuff. Why? Because it matters. Where, where your roots are matters. He says, this is where your roots should be. If they're in any of those, and he says, they got to go down deep into one thing, and that's called the love of God. And that's a kind of agape. It's not just love. It's God's kind of love. Love that's based on who he is, not on what we do. And, and we live in a, like a toxic love society. Our love is so based on, on performance. Maybe you were raised in a home where, you know, mom and dad loved you more when you did well at stuff. That's a toxic kind of love. You know, if you ever heard this things, why can't you be more like your brother or sister? I was the one that they all wanted to be like, so I never had that. But, <laughs> but maybe, for, maybe for you, you're raising that. This is toxic love environment. Do you know what? Parents love your kids no matter what. <laughs> they need to know that you love them no matter what. Why? Because you start showing the love of your father. And he's like, I can't do that. I would tell you something, that your roots aren't locked into a love that loves like that. Allowing your roots to get connected to, to his love uh, and allows it to happen. You know, spouses who can only love each other and show love to one another when they feel like it. It's toxic. You know, he's saying, uh, my heart is that, that you're so rooted into God's love that that's just what fills your heart. You don't need anything from your spouse anymore. You're not sucking them dry for, for what they, uh, they can do in your life. You just simply have the love of God in you that you can just share with, with them, doing life together. He says this, that um, this kind of love this kind of love is the kind of love that God has for you, for you, because that's who he's praying for. He says that nothing that um, you can do can make God love you anymore. You can't impress him. He just loves you. And the opposite is true as well. You can't do anything that's going to make him love you any less. He just simply loves you. You can't change that. But do we believe that? Because Paul, this is what he's praying. He's saying, I'm praying that might happen in you. It's not just the case that because you're a Christian, you get this. Paul's saying in this point, it's not just that you simply feel it, but that you would understand it. Last couple of verses, verse 18. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. That you would understand. That word, we use the word understand. Back then, it was this idea that you would lay hold of, that you would hold on tightly to. It's kind of the picture of like uh, uh, those cowboys at the rodeo on a bucking bronc where they're holding on for dear life. And it's like they just try and throw them off. Uh, that's the same idea that Paul's saying here. You know, maybe your life is that bucking bronc. Maybe your life is that crazy horse. You're like, I just, oh man. He's saying don't, he says just hold on for dear life to that love. That you'd be so, so grounded that you would understand it, that it would carry you through. Let me read something to you from um, the book of Romans. Uh, just one other verse. I'll get there. Romans chapter 8. Because a lot of times we think that God's love changes or that he couldn't possibly love us right now because of what we're going through. But let me, let me just read this for you. Paul, Paul kind of understood. He wrote this. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything ever separate us? Because some of you think it has. It says, does it mean he no longer loves us? Listen to that. Does it mean that he no longer loves me if I have trouble or calamity or I'm persecuted or I'm hungry or I'm destitute or I'm in danger or I'm threatened with death? doesn't mean he doesn't love me anymore just because I'm in those situations. The enemy would love to try and tell you that's true, but it isn't. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And it says, and I'm convinced that nothing, see, this is the same thing he's hoping for you, that you become convinced 
of this fact, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not um, my fears for today or my worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate me from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you think, uh, when you think about that, you know, it's, he's saying too in, in uh, Ephesians that it's this idea of, of this height and depth uh, and, and this uh, width and length. He's saying it's not like a one-dimensional kind of love. Anybody have 3D TV? Yeah, Super Bowl at their house next year. So uh, 3D, 3D TV, is, you know, it's, a, it's, it's just this newest rage. I hope you've heard of it. But uh, the, the two-dimensional, everything's flat. It's this kind of idea. But then you go to 3D, and you're like, now it's not just watching it. You feel like you're there because you can just reach out and touch, you know, the, 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 the movie. You're like, you're in it. But he's saying something more. He's talking about like four-dimensional. You ever go to the falls and go to the 4D movies there where it's like you're, the, the, you go in there and it's 3D and, and, and more. You know, as you're going through, all of a sudden your chair's moving and, you know, the water splashes and all of a sudden water shoots out of the chair in front of you all over your face. And you're like, what the? And, and then we watch this one where they're on this pirate ship and this rat runs along the back of the uh, back around, all of a sudden goes behind you, and you hear it go behind you, and then all of a sudden you feel it go behind you. This air shoots out at your legs. You're, ah! you know, you're screaming, and it's awesome. Why? Because now you're not just watching the movie. Now it's not you just like, you know, that you can, you can kind of touch it and grab onto it. You're experiencing it. You are living the movie. You are the pirate. It's, and it's, it's uh, just incredible. But he says, this is what I want you to kind of figure out about God's love. One dimensional says, I know it's in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I get that. I get it up here. He says, well, they take that to say, for God so loved me, for God so loves Colleen, for God so loves Bobby Joe, for God so loves Peter, for God so loves me, that you get it. It's like, I get it. And then your neighbor, for God so loves Jocelyn, for God so loves, you know, Dan, and the person you're looking beside you, for God so loves them. But I'm getting this. I'm starting to, I'm starting to understand the difference uh, between it and realizing that God's love is this thing that he wants us to experience. You know, my life, uh, I didn't grow up this, this way. I didn't grow up understanding the love of God. I was in the same spot where it was like a, 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 the prayer that it might happen in my life. You know, I tried to live my life pleasing everyone, and you can't win at that. You cannot make everyone happy all the time. And guess who's the most miserable of all of them? Me. Yeah, searching for identity, wishing I had purpose, you know, wanting kids to like me. You know, re- thank God, why did you create me with freckles when they all think it's manure? You know, like, this is just, this is just crazy stuff. Um, wh- why, why, God? Why, why did you make me this way? And as it, as it went through, and I was 17 years old when this hit home for me, that I had a revelation where the lights came on. It's like, you know what? God loves me no matter what. <laughs> I can't change it. I can't change if I, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm a good little boy for God, he loves me. But if I'm a bad little boy too, he loves me. It doesn't change. His love never changed based on what I do or, or what I've done. It's just based on who he is. All of a sudden, things began to start changing. It took some time, but my roots started growing down deep into that. It didn't matter, you know, people's approval anymore. It didn't matter if you like me or hate me. You can say that sermon sucked, and that's okay. He loves me. But I want you to get that idea as well, that he loves you as well. If you're still looking for purpose, and you're still trying to find identity, and you're like, I don't know who I am. He's saying, get your roots into me, and it, it all happens. It just automatically happens in your life. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, last verse. May experience, may you experience 
praying this might happen, that you would experience the love of God. Not just that uh, you would know it, and, and because he says, I pray you'd experience it, though it's too great to understand fully, because it's bigger than you can understand. And it says, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You know, it's this idea that, that, that if you could experience it, it's, it's more than what you can understand. That, that word is just simply kind of talking about like throwing a ball past you. It's like it's bigger than you. God does things in bigger ways. It's not just, just enough. It's this, it's this over and above. You know, that you would experience the love of God like a hamster drinking out of a fire hose. That it's like just overwhelming of, whoa, 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 what was that? And it's like, man, it's never ending. It's way more than you could ever comprehend or understand, but it's God's kind of measurement for your life. Uh, you know, you hear people talk about what it's like to accept Jesus Christ as they believe that Jesus came and died for them and that becomes real in their life. And they, they, they just, they say stuff like this. I feel like a weight's been lifted off my, my, off my shoulders. I feel joy on the inside. I feel a sense of peace. I just feel a sense of being loved. Guess what? That was never, ever supposed to change. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that was supposed to remain in that place, that you would just feel that. But the idea is that you would get your roots into Jesus' love, get that down deep into him, that you'd be filled on the inside. You don't have that emptiness inside. That's something missing. But maybe you're here this morning, you do. You feel that emptiness inside. When you talk about that, you're like, yeah, that's me. Uh, there's something missing on the inside of me. I don't have what you're talking about. This Easter, and I want to encourage you um, as a church, this is one of the first Easter's we're actually planning to um, have something prepared so that you can invite your friends to come out. We're talking about encounters with Christ, about how many people have had in genuine encounters with Jesus Christ. And that we're, our hope and prayer is that your friends, your neighbors, the p- people in your family who don't know Jesus Christ would have the exact same thing, an encounter with Jesus Christ. That they have a chance to choose one way or the other, but that they encounter Christ. We often tell you don't invite your friends because we just don't have room for them. But this one, we definitely want you to. You know, invite, invite your friends because there's the, 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 the thought, the idea that there's people all around you that are empty. There's nothing that can fill that. You know, they're striving for it in money and popularity. You just watch the biggest stars in our, in our culture. That, at the top, they reach the pinnacle of fame and fortune. They're still empty. Their lives are train wrecks. You know, look at Bieber and, you know, any of the others who have, you know, gone so far, and, and yet there's something missing. That's the same for, for people in your life. It might be the same for you this morning. If you're here and you're empty on the inside, I just want to tell you this that God didn't make it this way. He created this planet perfect. Sin wrecked it, though, and that sin is still wrecking it. The stuff that you're going through, the struggles in your life, it all ties back to that. It all ties back to sin, you know, ruining life. And that's, you know, the, 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 the predicament so many find themselves in, but the good news is that Jesus came and fixed it. He fixed it. He did it all. It's done. He took care of it. He's giving you a chance to live life the way it really was meant to be lived. He's giving you a chance to fill the emptiness with something that really matters, and that's his love for you. It hasn't changed. He says you can have it, but it's in response to something. You have a choice. This morning, you know who you are because your heart's pounding. You're like, please don't make him like, make me raise my hand or anything, but you know I'm talking to you. And it's not me, it's Holy Spirit talking to you. He's calling to you. The same way that Jesus said to disciples and people back then, he says, come follow after me. Come follow after me, and, I, and, and I'll, I'll give you life. I'll give you what you don't have. Come, come follow after me. Saying the same thing to you this morning. <laughs> you know, if your heart's pounding, you're like, hey, you know what? This is what I want. He's telling you the same thing. 
Are you willing to say, you know what, I'm done with doing life my own way? God, I'll trade that. I'll tr- if you can take my mess, I'll give it to you gladly in chance that I can live for you and not for me anymore. I'll receive salvation. I'll receive hope. I'll receive forgiveness. I'll take it, God. That change will happen in you. And just like Paul said, that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith, that your life would become changed, that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. That's what he's praying for you. That can happen this morning. If that's you this morning, I, w- I would encourage you to take one next step. Not just saying, you know, in your heart, yes, I want to do that, but go and tell somebody. Go and talk to a friend of yours who you know is a Christian or knows Jesus Christ. Come talk to me if you don't know anybody else. You know, and I'd love to just uh, pray with you, encourage you in that this morning. But Kingsway, we have the answer to the world's problem. It's Jesus Christ. But my prayer is for you that you would experience his love because that's what they need to see. When you experience it, it just comes out of you. In your family, in your relationships, to those you don't know, they just know that, that you love people because he does. That our roots would continue to go deep down into him. We pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for preserving this book so that we could, we could read it and learn from it. Thank you that it's more than a book. That, that it's your words that they just do something. They grab us inside. Um, I know that you said they're like seeds and they continue to grow. So I just pray over every person here this morning that just has an open heart to you that those seeds would grow in their life he would prove and, and show these things real. So I, I pray for them the same thing. God, I pray that, that their eyes would be open to see you and that they would know you in a, in a greater way. I pray that they would be strengthened uh, with inner strength according to your riches and your glorious uh, power. They'd find that on the, on the inside this week. <laughs> Father, I thank you for them. Pray that their roots would just grow down deep into your love, that you would be living in them this uh, week by faith and they would live their lives out that way. Pray that they would just have an understanding of how great your love is and may they share that with the world. Thank you for this. Thank you for, thank you for your love and for, for the chance we have to do this together. It's in your name we pray. God, until you we commit our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.